Hi, and welcome to the Lancet podcast for World Malaria Day, April the 25th, 2016. My name's Priya, and today we're discussing a review of the global progress made in eliminating malaria, published on April the 23rd. We're joined by one of the authors, Sir Richard Feacham. Welcome. Well, good morning, Priya. Your review charts the progress made in the eradication and elimination of malaria around the world. Could you briefly summarise why you've released this report now? Yes. Um, the Malaria Elimination Initiative uh, at the Global Health Group at the University of California, San Francisco, has been working since 2007 on the elimination eradication agenda and along with others has been influencing global and regional opinion to get more commitment to the goals of elimination and eradication beyond just simply uh, a commitment to malaria control. And 2015, as you will know, was a real tipping point in this debate uh, with three major reports, one from WHO, one from RBM, and one from the UN Secretary General's office, uh, really wholeheartedly embracing the elimination and eventual eradication uh, agenda and setting sites well beyond simply controlling malaria. And those reports also uh, produced roadmaps or a roadmap for getting from where we are today to a world free of malaria. And of course, in those reports, there was much focus on the high burden countries with, which uh, still have a long way to travel in the fight against malaria, and that was uh, an appropriate focus. But there was also recognition that the low-burden countries, uh, the successful countries, the eliminating countries, need to finish the job and hold the line to prevent reintroduction. And there are 35 uh, Today, at the moment, there are 35 of these eliminating countries, and our group in San Francisco focuses particularly on those 35, and we thought it was timely to provide an update on how the 35 eliminating countries are, are getting along, where have they got to, and what obstacles do they face. And what are the main findings from your review? Well, big picture, if you look at the world as a, as a whole, there are 200 countries in the world, and 100 of them have already eliminated, mainly in the past 70 years. So good progress. Um, today, 100 countries still have malaria, and as I mentioned a moment ago, 35 of those are eliminating, and 65 are controlling. They are in an earlier phase. The paper focuses on the 35 eliminating countries, um, and perhaps three highlights uh, from, the, from the paper. Firstly, um, great progress. Uh, if you look at the 35 eliminating countries, they have reduced uh, the number of malaria cases by 91%, and the number of malaria deaths by 81% between 2000 and 2014. Uh, so rapid progress across that group of countries. Over 20 countries are committed to eliminate by 2020. Elimination means no local, uh, no local transmission of malaria within the country. Over 20 countries committed to eliminate by 2020. Uh, Sri Lanka has already done it. Um, Bhutan and China are close and 18 other countries are moving rapidly to that um, historic goal. 
In terms of key success factors, which the paper discusses, uh, let me quickly mention three. Uh, one, undoubtedly, is adequate political commitment and financial support, and maybe I'll say more about that in a moment. Uh, the second, or a second key success factor, is to have well-managed programs. Program management matters a lot, and successful countries tend to have well-managed programs. And they also have programs which are flexible and evidence-driven. Um, national programs do better when they can absorb new evidence and information quickly and actually act on it, rather than getting stuck in some uh, previous way of doing things. And the paper also mentions key challenges. And among the key challenges, one might mention perhaps five. Firstly, once again, political commitment and financial sustainability. Um, because if you lose that, you lose your momentum towards elimination. Secondly, resistance, which is a big topic in malaria and, of course, involves both parasite resistance to the drugs and mosquito resistance to the insecticides. So both forms of resistance are definitely a challenge. Thirdly, cross-border importation. Countries that are eliminating often find themselves in a situation where most of the malaria is actually imported and coming across their borders. And they have to set up uh, special collaborations with their neighbors to prevent that importation of malaria. Fourthly, Plasmodium vivax. We are better at diagnosing and treating Plasmodium falciparum than we are at diagnosing and treating Plasmodium vivax. And that uh, poses particular medical and scientific challenges which are being actively addressed through research programs, but we still don't have all the tools that we would like to have. And then fifthly, um, a challenge in Malaysia and some neighboring countries is that today in Malaysia, particularly in Sabah and Sarawak, most malaria in humans is not human malaria. It is actually Plasmodium nolzi, which is a monkey malaria. And this is a new and interesting um, finding or set of findings and there's much work going on to see how to combat the transmission of malaria from uh, monkeys to humans. So those were among the challenges uh, discussed in the paper. Do your findings affect medical practice and attitudes? And do you believe that culturally attitudes might need to change to improve eradication and elimination of the disease? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, under the heading of medical practice, um, a couple of things come to mind. Uh, firstly, to eliminate malaria, we have to find and treat asymptomatic infections. We have to suspect that the person in front of us, although entirely healthy and unaware that they may have an infection, may indeed be an asymptomatic uh, carrier of the malaria parasite, and that needs to be diagnosed and treated. And that's uh, a new uh, a new approach, I think, in many countries for the for the staff uh, for the medical staff of the of the program, and linked to that, um, MDA mass drug administration in various forms, not uh, not particularly widespread or commonly used at the moment outside a few Asian countries, but clearly one of the key weapons in elimination, 
and that may take some uh, shift of medical practice to be comfortable with various forms of mass drug administration. You mentioned culture and attitudes. Um, I think they are an important dimension to the progress we've made and to continuing towards eradication. Um, firstly, countries have to believe, and the leadership of countries have to believe, and the scientific community has to believe that this is doable. Um, there has to be commitment uh, to eliminate and eradicate malaria, um, and uh, key opinion leaders have to believe that we can do it. And we also have to keep doing it even when we have very little malaria. Uh, one of the challenges with malaria is that when there isn't much of it, or as in Sri Lanka today, when there isn't any local transmission, people turn their attention elsewhere, and the commitment to finance and maintain a strong malaria program can decline. And again, that's a sort of attitudinal or cultural shift. I have no malaria, therefore I must keep investing in malaria, otherwise it will come roaring back. And some countries have completely grasped that reality, but in others I think it will be more challenging. Although many countries have made great progress in eliminating malaria, what elimination goals are left and what frameworks exist to support these goals? Well, um, let me mention perhaps uh, four highlights uh, concerning that question. Firstly, 100 countries still have malaria. Uh, 100 have eliminated it, but 100 still have it. So the first thing we need to do is finish the job. Uh, the paper presents maps of where we need to be in 2020, 2025, 2030, etc., in order to reach an eradication goal around 2040 or 2050. And we have to ensure that that future comes true. We have to have an engineered future, if you like. Where do we need to be in 2030 to keep on track? And how do we act today and tomorrow to make sure we are on track for that 2030 goal? So that's important work to be done and really important that the country commitment and the regional commitment stays high in order that we will achieve the goals, um, the intermediate goals in 2020, 2025, etc. Um, this will require a lot of work country by country. I mean, the front line of the malaria fight is in the countries. It's not in Geneva. Um, and what countries do and what regions do matters most. And country by country programs have to be strengthened. They have to embrace new tools and technology. They have to be flexible. They have to be well managed and they have to drive forward towards the elimination goal. And that brings us perhaps quickly to research, which we haven't talked about. The great progress that we're making, of course, is made with today's tools. Um, but we need tomorrow's tools. Today's tools won't get us to the end point. And so the research enterprise um, is critically important. And uh, there are quite a list of research topics that are important. Um, I would particularly emphasize uh, the need for new and better drugs and new and better diagnostics, the need for improved vector control technologies, including new insecticides, but other things as well, and various forms of spatial decision-making um, uh, aids uh, where we can 
map malaria and map and trace how we are responding to that malaria in real time with very detailed maps. And then lastly, perhaps to mention the need for strong regional structures and sub-regional structures. Um, in Africa, we now have ALMA, the African Leaders Malaria Alliance, at the regional level. And at the sub-regional level, we have the very dynamic E8, the Elimination 8, uh, which is the f eight most southerly uh, mainland African countries who are committed to eliminating um, soon and are doing that work together. And in Asia-Pacific, we have um, some similar structures, the Asia-Pacific Leaders Malaria Alliance, uh, APOMA, and the Asia-Pacific Malaria Elimination Network, APMAN, um, working to achieve the Asia-Pacific regional goal of elimination across the whole region by 2030. So continuing to strengthen and support those regional and sub-regional structures I think will be extremely important because there's a strong regional dimension to malaria elimination and countries in a region do better and, do, and go faster when they do it together with much collaboration uh, amongst the programs and amongst the country leadership. And finally, what are the next steps and priorities for this field? Well, a long list of priorities and a long list of necessary next steps, of course, uh, there always are. Um, but let me highlight three. Um, one I was just talking about, the need to build strong regional collaboration and a strong global architecture as well. Um, and it should be that way around. We should build strong regional structures and the global architecture should support the regional structures and not, as sometimes in the past, approach it the other way around. And we do have uh, ALMA and the E8 in Africa uh, they need to be further strengthened so they can have the full impact that they can have. And similarly, in Asia-Pacific, further strengthening the impact of APOMA and APMEM will be important. At the global level, we've got the Reborn uh, RBM 2.0, the Rollback Malaria Program uh, re-engineered, now coming into existence. That will play an important role. And, of course, WHO plays a very critical role at the global level, the regional level, and of course the country level. So strengthening that apparatus, making it all really work, and making it all really work together is an important priority over the next couple of years, and things are moving pretty fast, and I'm optimistic about all that. A second, of course, major priority is research. As I mentioned, today's tools are good, and they've driven a lot of progress, but we need tomorrow's tools. And again, to call out particularly the need for new and better drugs and diagnostics, uh, the Gates Foundation have, of course, played a special role in investing in research in those areas uh, alongside many others. But that research investment will continue to be important to bring us transformationally better uh, drugs and diagnostics. And on the vector control side, we need to do a lot of work, and recently the, the Parker Foundation, uh, led by Sean Parker, has entered this space and has made important investments in innovation and new thinking in vector control. But we do need new and better uh, vector control interventions, and a number of exciting things are in the research pipeline.
And finally, perhaps, uh, to come back to my broken record, which is political and financial commitment. This is the sine qua non of uh, malaria elimination and eradication. Uh, with it, we make progress, and without it, we, we don't. And we need to keep our eye on the ball. We need to keep our foot on the pedal. And when we have no more malaria or very little malaria in our country, we need to keep investing and maintain a vigilant and effective national malaria control program in order that malaria does not resurge. Thank you, Richard, and thank you, listeners. See you again next time.